Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Here's San Francisco and the incomparable forward, Rick Barry. Behind the line, they burn him again, and it's Barry. And now Rick Barry, the league's leading scorer. What a superb basketball player he is. Yes, folks, that's right, the Hallelujah Chorus. And why are we playing the Hallelujah Chorus? This is Rick Barry along with Cyrus Satchis. My hey, this is my my surfing guy. I still got to work on Brent for you, but listen, I just felt it was really appropriate to start the show off because the Warriors won a game on the road. They did amazing. Yes, unbelievable. <laughs> so. Let's hear it. Let's hear it for the Warriors. Uh, I mean, it's going to be a very interesting and long season, I think. Uh, of course, they did it against a team that's not very good. But a win is a win is a win. And it happened on the road. So that's a good thing for them. No question about that. I yep. would think you would, uh, you would concur with that, wouldn't you? I 100% would concur with that. I mean, granted, like you said, the Grizzlies are probably the one team that is worse than the Warriors in the Western Conference. But a win is a win. This is progress, Rick. It's a good thing. Yeah, no, it, it is. I mean, it, it, it helps with the psyche of a team. I mean, a lot of it comes down to your mental attitude and approach to uh, to doing that. I'm going to take a quick look, and we'll just go over very quickly since we're supposed to be talking Warriors, but there's not a lot to talk about with the Warriors, so we'll get into a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> yeah, but no, it, uh, it was nice to see it, you know, and here's the thing that I like. I like that Pascal is that I was reading about that. I guess Draymond Green is kind of trying to give him some advice and mm -hmm. trying to help him out because I guess he can relate to him because they were both second round draft picks and they're both starting to make a little bit of an impact. Mm -hmm. And it, it helps to have somebody. He should listen to Draymond because Draymond understands the game and he learned a lot of things over the course of his career that he could take that and relay that over to, uh, to, to Pascal. And hopefully he'll learn from that. I mean, talking about things like spacing where to be on the court. And I was reading that he was saying that it was constructive criticism about Pascal from Draymond. And, and, and it's true that, you know, he kind of gets lost out there, but isn't it, <laughs> and here's the part that's interesting when I, you hear these things and, or you read these things, who was teaching this guy how to play? And this is one of the things that I just cringe at. I mean, I actually could probably use this for drive me crazy. Uh, huh. <laughs> it's it really is that. How can a player who gets to this level to go on to play in the professional ranks of your sport, not be schooled in the fundamentals of the game? If you understand and you were taught properly, you don't get lost on the court. You should know that. True or not? Hundred percent true. Yeah, I mean, think about it. Think about the things that these guys are not doing, these young players who are coming out. What's happening to the teaching? And this is what I get back to. It's all about it. Somebody asked me a lot. I had this question all the time from people that I meet. Well, what should I do with my kids? Do that? I said, here's what you want to do. You start out with the fundamentals. Then when you think your child's really got it down, then focus a little bit more on the fundamentals till he know. do you know that he really has them? And when he really has them, then get really serious about the fundamentals. Right. It's really all about the fundamentals of all the aspects of the game. So they have this incredible base and knowledge of how the sport is supposed to be played, which is going to help them. And if they have God-given natural ability and talents, they're going to maximize their full potential. That does not occur in probably the overwhelming majority of players who go on to play professional basketball these days. They are not well-schooled and don't know the fundamentals and therefore so many of them will never become as good as they should be because they don't understand what to do with that amazing talent sad agreed and, and you know when we're talking about eric pascal you know there's been some uh, mentions of the fact that he came from a very successful villanova program that's starting to produce some impressive talent and this isn't your traditional talent that is you know young go one year in one year out you know, lottery picks. These are guys who are drafted later in the rounds. In, in Eric Pascal's case, a second round pick who are older. Eric Pascal said in an interview that he thinks the reason why he dropped in the draft to number 41 the second round was because of the fact that he's older. He's, he just he turned 23 uh, earlier this month. Draymond Green came out and echoed your sentiments for how many incompetent GMs there are out there. 
and heavily criticized um, other teams for passing up players who were older. Draymond Green fit that bill as well. I think he was a four-year player at Michigan State. And this Villanova program could be what you're talking about, right? Great coaching leading to great NBA play. Yeah, but the problem is, is then when you get at that level, they, the coach at that level, the coaches at the, on, the, on the collegiate level should not have to be teaching fundamentals. Unfortunately, they do have to do that. Right. And then a lot of them come out of some of these programs, and I'm not even going to mention because I coached a bunch of kids when I coached in the minor leagues. They came from very highly respected programs, and I'm not going to mention any of them because I'm not going to cause a real problem. At, which is kind of unusual for me, but, uh, <laughs> and, well, I'm not, I just don't want to do it. Because, I say do it. But no, I, I don't, I don't want to really do it. Because, All right. It's just, you know, save it for a book maybe. Um, so seriously, they, they had such poor fundamentals and I'm saying, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? And he said, well, this is what we were told to do. And, and I'm saying, seriously, I, I just, wow. I just, it's just mind numbing to me almost sometimes that these players aren't taught those things and so much more could be accomplished because when you get to the pro level, I'll give you a quick story that this is interesting. I had okay. a nice talk with Grant Hill after he had come into the NBA, obviously from his illustrious career at Duke yes. and became a great player in the NBA. And we were just sitting and chatting and he said, Rick, you know, I was really shocked. And I said, about what? He said, well, when I came in to play in the NBA, I thought I would go and I would learn so many things and be able to take my game to another level. He says, I didn't, nobody was teaching me anything. I said, what? Seriously. So I, how's that? This is coming from a guy who was a great college player, great high school player, coming from a great program. Yes. And thought that he was going to have an opportunity to go to the next level, to be able to take his game to another level and was disappointed. How's that? It's interesting. You said, first of all, Grant Hill had that, that ankle injury to me took away a career that could have put him in the pantheon of great players, right? I mean, yeah, he, he would have been up there with the Kobe's and, and, yes. and all the you Neil know, Michaels and those people. Yeah, really. He really understood the game, was exceptionally talented, and he's physically just was limited because of that serious injuries, which was a shame. But he's, he's yeah. such a quality guy, and his folks are such great people. And so I really have a lot of respect for Grant. Yeah, agreed. And that, that ankle injury, it was just such a bizarre, random injury that kept him out for so many years. But but, but it's interesting he brought that up and you bring that up. I don't know if you ever watch um, Inside the NBA. That is one of my all-time favorite TV programs. In my opinion, it's one of the best panel-type formats uh, for, for sports broadcasting. Um, I'm surprised they never asked you to come on there. It's, it's shocking. It's because, to me. Because, because I would tell the truth and they don't want to hear it. <laughs> well, Barkley, Barkley has a relatively unfiltered platform there. You know, I would, well, he's I would got himself you. in trouble again, too. Yeah. He did. And we'll, and we'll touch on that in a second. But, but inside the NBA, they had a good de debate there a couple weeks back where Shaquille O'Neal basically came out and said that, and, and he echoed uh, Grant Hill's sentiments here, which is that NBA coaches don't do anything, they, they don't contribute much in terms of X's and O's. They mostly just sit there and their goal is to make sure that the team is functioning, that, they, that they're getting along together and that there's a system in place. Um, the, other, the other two panel members, Kenny Smith and Barkley, strongly disagreed with that. Um, and, I mean, is that how you feel too? I mean, I mean, you played this game a long time. You're one of the greatest ever. Is that, was that your experience as well, that coaches don't do much? I mean, I was, well, it was fascinating. It's not that they don't do much. It's a lot of them don't do the right thing. Okay. One of the biggest thing is, is that some of them, unfortunately, you mentioned having a system. Well, a system is fine, but your system has to be predicated on the skills of your players. Right. Unfortunately, and this happens a lot in football, they have their way of thinking how the game should be played and how they want it played, yet they don't have the personnel to play it that way. And so they wind up misusing a lot of talent. That's why you see players leaving. In fact, I just saw him the other day, Dale Ellis, who I always bring up as my story when he played for the Dallas Mavericks and Dick Mata wound up going to Chicago and was coaching down there. And, uh -huh. uh, and he got traded away to Seattle and didn't do anything at Dallas. Why? Because Dick Mata played a system that wasn't conducive for Dale Ellis's game. Dale Ellis goes up to Seattle, becomes an all-star player, leads the league in three-point shooting. Why? His talent was utilized effectively. Right. I, the job of a coach, the most important job of a coach, is to analyze his personnel and to realize what their strengths and weaknesses are and to utilize that personnel in the most efficient manner possible based upon their talents and skills, not about what he thinks should be done, what needs to be done to take advantage of the talent that you have. That's the most critical element of any coach, that along with establishing a great relationship with your star player or players 
Because if they don't buy into what you're trying to do or you want the team to do, the other guys aren't going to buy into it. That's, that's it. Those are the two critical elements. And as I said, and we've talked about this before, in team sports, there are three key elements to success. Who do you draft? Who do you get in free agency? Who do you trade for? Then you hope you get a coach that doesn't screw it up. <laughs> but so, the so, thing is, is that the choices that are made for so many teams are horrendous. Horrendous. I don't know what they're looking at when they're looking at talent for scouting. I swear. I have said this before, and I don't care who gets mad at me about that, this one. <laughs> there are scouts out there who wouldn't know talent in the game of basketball if it walked up and bit them in the ass. I'm serious. It's incredible to me how in the world they could decide to pick a kid and give him multi-millions of dollars, not knowing whether or not he's going to be good enough to play at that level. Right. And, and I think the draft histories of a lot of these teams are testament to that. Abominable. Right? I mean, yeah. It's, it's an abomination sometimes what takes place. They get caught up on things that make no sense whatsoever to me. And they spend and waste so much money. How many times do you have to go and watch somebody to know whether or not he can play? Yeah. The money they spend traveling around, flying around, going here, hotels, food, per diem, all the other things, the salary they're paying the guy, and then they come back, and it turns out that they also have people that the NBA does, and they had a guy named Marty Blake that for years did it. I think his son does it now. And they have this whole big thing that they lay out for everybody. Hey, the great, you can find out who are the projected lottery picks, right? They got a big thing that comes out. Right. Well, every team has got their own people going out looking at stuff as well. So if you go as a general manager and you're making the decision and you pick a guy that's slotted to be a lottery pick and you take him, you've protected your butt. Because what happens? The guy's a bust. He's supposed to be really good. He was a bust. And you get off the hook. But do what Jerry West did for years when he was doing the general manager stuff, especially with the Lakers. You know, take a guy slotted to be maybe late second round and take him in the lottery. Now your butt's on the line, right? You really screwed up. You took a guy that was supposed to be taken late in the second round and he didn't do a damn thing. And so now oh, you're in big trouble. Yep. And who gets fired? The coach. The coach. I'm getting off on this now, okay? Because we okay. have this in our notes. So, uh, seriously, <laughs> I, it really drives me absolutely insane. This would be a drive me crazy thing. Play that thing right now, because this is driving me crazy. Let's play it. Play it. Come on, Jack. Uh, yeah, yeah. Come, 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 It's coming. Yeah, Here we go. Go for it, Rick. It's all you. Yeah, it, no, it, well, Jack is, you know, can't handle the truth. This is the truth, too. I got this to cover both of them and everything. It drives me crazy. Do you want some Jack? Yeah, give me a Jack, too. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Bring it, Rick. Yeah, that's right, exactly. These guys, they can't handle the truth. The truth of the matter is, is that we've talked about it. Again, the general managers wind up making the decisions and give the coach a bunch of you-know-what, a bunch of crap. And they tell it, tell them, go be, go make this into a good team. And then if it doesn't work out, the coach gets fired. I really believe that if you really want to run the team the right way, the coach should have the authority to make the choice of who he wants to be on his team to coach mm -hmm. his team because it's his job on the line. Let the coach make the decision. Then if you're going to fire the coach, there's justification between firing them. And hopefully you can have a relationship where you can maybe work together to do it. I think probably the team that's done that best over the years. What team? Tell me. Well, the Spurs. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And, the, and, the, and hopefully the Warriors. I mean, well, I hope Yeah, you... and hopefully the Warriors yeah. will. I mean, they've done real well so far. But, say, but the Spurs over the years have done that exceptionally well. Because of the choice that was the choices made, Bob, Greg Popovich has a lot to do. R.C. Buford and him mm -hmm. have a great relationship, and they work together. But I think the final decision should be the coaches. Yeah, I think a GM good... might G might be able to influence him some and talk to him about this or that or whatever. But the the coach's job is on the line. Why can't and shouldn't he be allowed to make the decision on who he wants to coach? Yeah, and I think that's where the good GM-coach relationships exist, right? Where the GM consults with the coach and makes sure these additions fit in that system, right? And here's another thing. I don't know. I, I should ask this question to some guy sometime to find out the answer. I never did ask it, but it's always been there. I'm curious. So when the scouts come back and they have their list of players and all, do they put together footage 
of these players playing that the coach can take a look at it and the general manager, because most of the time the general manager doesn't go out there, it's the scouts doing it, and take a look at the footage of this player to watch them and let them try to evaluate whether or not he can play or not based upon the recommendation of the scouts who are out there doing it. I, I don't know. I mean, I, as I told you, I can watch a player for five to ten minutes and tell you whether he's worthy of really seriously watching him any further because you look for the one thing that you can't teach, and I've professed this for decades. Mm -hmm. Does he have a natural feel for the game because you can't teach that? So that's, that's, that's it. So anyway, I'm done with all of that stuff. Oh, it's now. okay. Uh, but well, yeah. Well, Rick, let me ask you this. Have you been watching the young talent this year? Like the, the folks you're either playing in college or in one player's case, Australia. Um, have you been monitoring much? Like, like no, the, I don't, I don't really do that because okay. I couldn't give a rat's, you know, what about <laughs> what they're doing because, <laughs> you know, can they play on the NBA level? And I don't have any responsibility for having to make a choice. Right. If I were asked to go out and evaluate talent, which I think I could do really well, um, I would be able to give you a lot of opinions about it, but I would not have to take very long and spend tons of time. And after I see a guy, if I really like what I see, well, then the start, you start looking for the other things that are important elements. You try to find out what's inside of him. What kind of heart does he have? What kind of person is he? How does he react when he comes out of the game? How does he, I mean, just watch for other things outside of that natural feel for the game and then you make an evaluation based upon all of those things. Yeah. And I would say if you have the opportunity, because I'm sure a lot of people would love your insights and opinion on this, the two players that seem to, that seem to stick out uh, in terms of high, you know, picks for next year's draft. And, and we got to start paying attention to this because for the first time in forever, the Warriors might have one of those top picks. Uh, the two names that stick out are James Wiseman who plays he's a seven footer with Memphis um, and, and he's being touted as a possible number one pick. And the other one is another ball, a lamello ball, who's actually playing in Australia right now, but supposedly he's a six, seven point guard who loves Steph Curry and who apparently has the intangibles intangibles to be vastly superior to his brother Lonzo. And yeah, at some point, if you get a chance to monitor these two players, I would love your insights because these seem to be the one two punch in terms of the lottery next year. Well, I have I, I did see some stuff, and unless he's made a drastic improvement over the way he played before, I saw Lamelo play, and I wasn't okay. overly impressed. Interesting. Uh, I okay. mean, he's thrown some stuff up here and some some numbers and all. But well, I'll take a look at him as we go further down into the season and all. I'll, I'll watch him and see what I think about him. But he obviously has some talent, but uh, I wasn't overly impressed by him when I initially had seen him. But that was like probably a year or more ago, and he was really quite young at that time. Okay. So I'm not going to, you know, and, and I'm not going to allow his father to influence my decision. About <laughs> I know what a character that guy is. I, it's, it's, I mean, it's fascinating from a media perspective. He is interesting, but I would never want that guy anywhere near my team. Right. Yeah. I just, <laughs> it's just, it was amazing to me, the coverage and everything that did that ESPN actually sent somebody over to, over to Lithuania. Yeah. Kids are playing over there. I mean, come on, seriously. Crazy. I mean, Anyway, so we'll, we'll, keep, is... we'll keep an eye on some of those guys and I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you my, I'll give you nothing but the truth when I see them. Truth! You can't handle the truth. <laughs> um, speaking of truth, by the way, uh, Carmelo Anthony uh, debuted uh, for the Portland Trailblazers. What are your thoughts on that? And is he going to help to help Portland uh, rebound? Uh, he's not the answer. The answer was Allen Iverson, I guess. Was it? Oh, no, that's just a little pun there. Uh, <laughs> it's no, he's not going to be the. It just shows you the desperation that Portland is in right now with all the injuries and things that they've had. They've yeah. off to such a terrible start after getting to the finals last year and and the Western Conference and and to to get off to this start, it's kind of difficult. So, uh, how much is he going to add to the equation? I, I, you've got arguably one of the best top three backcourts in the, in the, well, maybe now the top backcourt in the NBA with the, with the Warriors being out of it with Steph and Clay. Mm -hmm. um, those two guys, McCallum and, and, uh, and his running mate are absolutely unbelievable. I just, they are. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're really, really good players. Uh, they really are good players. And I think that uh, Carmelo, I have no problem with him coming back to play. Except the problem is, and, and here's what happens all the time. It happened to me. People remember Carmelo Anthony as the, the great player that he was for so many years. He's not the same player. Yeah. 
that's not the Carmelo Anthony that the Trailblazers are getting. They're getting a player at the end of his career who is no, not going to be anywhere near the offensive weapon that he was for so many years. Uh, and, of course, you can't judge it on one game. He hasn't played for a year and he didn't even practice with the team. and was out there and went out and played and you know, did a few good things, but obviously you know, five turnovers and didn't shoot the ball well, although he was two for three from threes. which is He was. Good. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, again, and he's never been known as a defensive, great defensive player. No. Everybody brings this up when I hear about it. Yeah, well, he's not a great defensive player. You know what? It's not about being a great defensive player. It's understanding what defense is about and playing team defense. We've discussed this before. And effort, right? I mean, I, I well, think it's that's the effort, important. but it's but yeah. understanding how to play team defense. Yeah. It's because if you have a guy and you know he's not a great defender individually, which I we've talked about this again. It's it, it, I want twelve defenders, team defenders. Mm-hmm. If a guy happens to be a very good individual defender and a good team defender, I get a big bonus. But I don't want a great individual defender who sucks at team defense because he's going to kill my team. Seriously, and nobody talks about that. Guy's a great individual defender. But is he a good team defender? Because you win with team defense, not individual defense. That's true. So that's where it is. But Carmelo, you know, I, I hope he makes it. I mean, just here's the deal. If Carmelo is happy with his level of performance at this stage of his career, and the team is happy with him doing what he's doing, then accept it, and it's fine. But don't expect to see the Carmelo Anthony of years gone by. That He's not going to show up. He doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the, warrior, the, the, the trailblazers are in trouble. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, you know, uh, Steve Kerr said something. Going back to coaching for a second, uh, a reporter asked him if he, because, you know, he has this relationship with Greg Popovich. They, they go out for dinner once or twice a year. You know, there's, there's legendary stories of all the wine they drink. Um, but someone asked Steve Kerr if he ever goes to Phil Jackson, another coach he was a former player for, uh, who, who ha- he has a great relationship with Phil as well. I mean, it's easy to forget that before Kerr took the Warriors head coaching job, he was about to be the head coach for the New York Knicks when Phil Jackson was the president there. Um, and then Phil let him go to the Warriors instead when that opportunity arose. But Steve Kerr said the reason why he doesn't ever talk to Phil and get coaching advice from him is because Phil doesn't have the perspective of coaching a losing team. And, and I was curious to know, what are your thoughts on Phil Jackson? Is he overrated? In my opinion, he's the greatest coach ever. I think championships are the ultimate measurable for that. But some people are critical of the fact that he's never coached a team that lacked talent, right? That lacked some of the greatest players in the history of this game, if not the greatest players. Do you like Phil? I mean, is he, is he the greatest coach ever? Or what does he rank for you? Well, I don't know if you can pick the greatest one ever. I mean, it's pretty hard. I mean, Red Arbeck had a pretty mm-hmm. amazing run. <laughs> amazing. To say that Phil's better than what, uh, what Red did. But here's the thing. What Phil accomplished is a credit to him because he did what I just got done speaking about. He was able to take the personnel that he had and utilize them in the best way possible to achieve success. That's the key to a really great coach. He's fortunate that he's been in a situation where he has had outstanding talent, but there are a lot of other coaches who had some of that talent that was on his team and didn't achieve success. Right? I mean, not everybody that coached Shaquille O'Neal won championships. Not everybody that coached Michael Jordan won championships. That's true. Yeah, Doug Collins couldn't do it. And the moment Phil came, they, they turned into well, the Well, and just look, look at Shaq in Orlando and look at Shaq in other places that that too. where he went. That, that not all of the coaches achieved success with having some great players. So that's what you got to give credit to. You got to give credit to, you gotta give credit to, uh, to Phil for that. And, that. and he did a great job. He did. Yeah, it was an incredible run there. Um, do you want to do uh, so? We're a little bit over the eighth of the way through the season, and uh, you and I discussed prior to doing this week's show of, of doing an awards show, something original. And people, the audience loves rankings. They love lists. They love. And I hearing. hate. I hate them. 
I know you do. I know at you this do. stage of the season, <laughs> what the hell difference does it make? It's a waste of my freaking time, Cyrus. That's what sports media is about, though. People love this content. Well, and... that's good. Love it. If you want to do it, go listen to some other talking head to tell you about it. Because what the hell difference does it make right now? Right? Who's the MVP? Uh, what the heck? This is why we're eighth of the way through the season. Right? We're not even halfway through the season. I know people love to hear that stuff all the time. But it, to me, it's just... It's crazy. I mean, I, 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 I really it truly is crazy. I mean, I hear it, but, but about stuff that's happening throughout the league. But when it pick, if you want to go ahead and say something, go ahead and say it. You, you keep the people happy, but they're not going to get it from me. <laughs> well, well, you know, you could, well, if you're if you're up for at least uh, playing along, uh, we're going to do the first inaugural eighth awards. All right, we're the eighth of the way through the season, and people love your insights, Rick. So first off, who right now on eighth of the way through the season? Little drum roll is the MVP right now. I don't care. <laughs> but if I had to pick somebody, maybe I'd pick the Greek freak. That's a good call. That's a good call. I was going to go with Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic who, playing his butt off. There's no question. But his, you know, and he doesn't have the talent. I mean, their team is doing good. I mean, much better than people expected. But yeah, Doncic is playing his butt off. Here's the thing that's interesting. You notice... I guess these foreign guys don't spend much time in the freaking gym. Both Donkic, <laughs> no, I'm serious. And, 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 no, and, and and up in Denver, I mean, I'm serious. You're joking. No, you're... I mean, Jokic, Donkic, I mean, all these itches. We're getting. I'm, I'm getting itchy. Uh, these guys, <laughs> they look like baby Huey. They have no muscle definition. There's none. No, I'm serious. Oh, I mean, they, they, you're I mean right. you look at those guys and you say, wow, these guys, these guys are an athlete. I mean, today you look at these guys, they usually look like Greek God statues, you know? I mean, they're all buffed up and cut and looking unbelievable. Not those two guys. You're right. But they can play. They Dirk, sure can play. Dirk Nowitzki didn't have that either. No, I mean, Dirk didn't have it either. I mean, it must be something about it, I guess. I guess if you got an itch at the end of your name, you don't go to the gym very often. I don't that's know. That's funny. Chris Porzingis doesn't really look like an athlete. You're right. It, it, Luka Doncic, Donkic, is that how you pronounce it? I, he doesn't – I mean, he, you're right. He has no muscle definition. He kind of looks chubby. Like, he doesn't even look like he's in well, shape. Same with Jokic. Well, but Jokic is like a. I mean, at least as a center, I could I could see. I know. Pulling it I off think, come more. on, like, you got I mean, I mean, look at some of the other guys that are there. I mean, you look at them, and it's just I just laugh every time I see him. I said, but you know what? Obviously, you don't have to be cut, and you don't have to look like a Greek god to play this game the right way. No, he doesn't. But Luca, to me, I mean, I, I mean, you know, there aren't that many players in this game. It's very rare, actually, that I see a player who could actually, who I could actually compare to you. In terms of the all-time greats, obviously it's just his second year. He's only 20 years old. But the potential there, given what he's doing right now, is fascinating to me. He could end up being one of the all-time greats. Well, let's just see. Here's the, deal. Here's the deal, Cyrus. Let's see what happens, because Jerry West told me this when I first came into the league. Okay. That you're going to have a situation where you better be prepared that teams are get, getting to see you for the first time. They're not used to you and they're going to make adjustments. How are you going to play when the adjustments are made? That's going to be a big key. Let's get Let's see what happens when we get further into the season and he starts to play the same teams more than a couple of times and see if he's able to play at that same level. His level he's playing right now is off the charts. Amazing. I would love to, you know, here's the difference is he's getting, you can put those kind of numbers up if you have the ball in your hands all the time. And he does right now for the most yeah, part. And he does. Yeah. He's basically like playing guard. Yeah, he's like a point forward, kind of like what you Yeah, said. but he's, but yeah. he, but yeah, I was a point forward, but I didn't have the ball in my hands that often. I mean, we still had our point guards and they did the job. You can't put those kind of numbers up very often at all. If you don't have the ball, the overwhelming majority of the time to be able to be a facilitator and stuff. The rebound stuff is another thing. That's, that's always the most impressive thing to me. In fact, about Westbrook, that's the thing that impressed the heck out of me, the kind of rebound he is. But if you have the ball in your hands, there's no way that you shouldn't get 10 assists and 20 points a game if you got the ball a lot, seriously. I mean, to me, it's an embarrassment. If you have the ball that much, you should be able to do that. You should be able to get 20 points and 10 assists. That shouldn't be very difficult. It's the rebounds that's the hard part, getting those triple-doubles. Speaking of that, let's give a kudo quickly out to LeBron for accomplishing something that's never been accomplished before. The first okay. player in the history of the game to have gotten a triple-double against every team that he's played against. Yeah, that deserves applause. That is impressive. 
Yeah, and, and the only guy that hasn't done it is Westbrook hasn't because he hasn't done it. I guess Oklahoma City is the only team he hasn't done it against ah, his old team. Interesting. Yeah, his, old, his old team. But, yeah, that's that's a great accomplishment. It really truly is. But, that again, is the reason it happens, you know, LeBron, LeBron, a lot of times, I mean, he in the playoffs and in a lot of games, I mean, he was the point guard. He brought it up the floor, had it in his hands all the time. So, when, but when you have the ball and you're really a, a scorer and a well-rounded player, you should be getting 10 assists. <laughs> seriously i agree you know, unless you have players that can't shoot worth the darn then then you got a problem I mean, but he, <laughs> you know you're creating a lot of opportunities for your teammates because you can penetrate you get it as long as you play unselfishly which lebron does and obviously uh luca's doing the same thing yeah he's he's been impressive no question somebody his age to be able to put those numbers up and shoot the ball the way he's shooting and to do it with a baby huey body is really great <laughs> I love that. Yeah, he's he's incredible. So MVP in your pick is Giannis. That is the popular pick. Uh, I just wanted to bring up Luca to mix it up. But yeah, I think Giannis right now is the early season favorite. Okay, here, very quickly, though, I have to explain this because okay. if people are listening and they're not old, they probably have no idea who Baby Huey is. He was a cartoon character that was a cartoon character was, a, a, a I guess, a duck or something or whatever. And but he just, you know, like punji and doing stuff. Maybe I could go and say the uh, uh, the Michelin man. You no, know, baby, or, he was good. Puffy. No, no, baby. No, I was... like Baby Yui. I mean, that's, I like it's Baby Yui. I, I use it, but I just know if people even know who no, Baby Yui is. They should know. If, they, if someone or doesn't the know. Or the Pillsbury Doughboy, you know, yes. that you can push in. No, know. Baby Yui is a good one. If someone doesn't know who Baby Yui is, Google it in two seconds. Yeah, and that, yeah, that's yeah. still very relevant. That is a topical. Or the uh, Pillsbury Doughboy would be another good one. There's another one. All right. Yeah. So here's the next category. And Rick, I promise you there will not be a quarter of the year, a half year, or three quarters. This will be the first and last time we give out these awards until the season ends. All right. So these are the eighth awards. Uh, the next one up is Rookie of the Year. Who is your early Tra season? Trey. 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 Trey and the other guy. What's his name? I just could draw a blank. I was just reading about him and stuff. Uh, oh, well, you know, senior moment, whatever. That's all right. Uh, Memphis. Um, oh, John Morant. Durant. Durant. Yes. Yeah, Morant. Morant is his pretty, pretty special player. But I tell you, Trey's putting up some unbelievable numbers and doing some pretty amazing things. I'm, I'm just this popping at the head of my head because I don't watch for that stuff and everything. That's right. So that's right. You might have somebody else, but I mean, that, that would, those would be the two guys that would pop into my head to say, you know, pretty special players. No, John ja, ja Morant, I think, is the, the logical, obvious choice for Rookie of the Year. I'm going to pull the Homer card here, and I'm actually going to go with our boy, Eric Pascal, who right now is averaging nearly 17 points per game, nearly five rebounds per game. Um, you know, and he's literally the. Yeah, well, scratch that. Bring, bring, bring Trey up. <laughs> Wait, are you well, Trey? Who Trey Young? Who are you yeah. talking about? Yeah. Well, Trey, it's his second year. Oh yeah, that's right. I'm not talking about rookies. That's right. It's his yeah, second yeah. Year. So I'm, and, and I'm, I'm sorry, that's my. I'm off the chart here. It's okay. Yeah. It's not a big deal. Dur uh, Durant. No, no. Put up. I mean, put up. No. Uh, put up. Put up his uh, his his stats. The, uh, John, John Morant. Is, John is, Morant is is cool. Yeah, I don't know why I'm thinking about Trey and everything. It's okay. Hurt, so John Morant okay. is averaging nearly two points more per game. He's at eighteen point five, and he's averaging six assists per game. Yeah. Um, hey, look, he's the he's the obvious pick. I can't make a, a solid argument for Pascal over Morant, but again, I'm going to pull the the homer card, and I think by the end of the year, Eric Pascal might actually average more. A uh, job Morant, by the way, are you alarmed at his style of play? He's very reminiscent of like a Westbrook, of a Derrick Rose. He attacks the rim so hard, almost unnecessarily aggressive right oh, no 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 there's no such thing as unnecessarily aggressive you attack the rim you get there and you hope you get hit but but, but I, what I, about wanted, I wanted to get fouled every time i drove to the basket because i know i'm gonna make a bunch of them but then if i didn't make them i know i'm getting two free throws and i'm getting two more points yeah i'm not worried as much about like contact from other players as much as i am about wear and tear on your knees i mean derrick rose his career ended early could have well been i didn't jump that high i didn't jump that yeah. high so i didn't have to worry about it I, <laughs> <coming> <laughs> down. and i was and the same with him he doesn't have a lot of weight coming down either you know what i mean i mean that's that's the problem that's the problem with with the one guy that it's zion i mean that's his problem yeah i mean he's up there in the freaking stratosphere and the guy's a monster coming down with all that weight and force it's true so, yeah but yeah boy that was really crazy i know what i think about trade doing i just thought like the way he's him playing. i know he's it was been... popping into my head i know he's a second year guy he's gonna he's, fit. i like him I, I i didn't i was surprised that he did as well as he did last year but he's you know what he reminds me of a little bit as a guy that's surprising is kind of like nobody expected him to be as good as curry you know he's yes. kind of reminded me of like steph I, I agree. Coming and, back in. And I, I like, I mean, I like his game, although, you know, he's, 
he hasn't had some – he shot poorly the other day. That's going to happen, though. But he's mm-hmm. a heck of a player. There's no question about it. But, but yeah, Moran is fun to watch, too. He, he does a lot of really nice things, got great confidence. Uh, I like I heard him speaking the other day after a game, and I thought that he expressed himself well and seems to have a really good approach to the game. That's good. So, uh, and he's fun to watch. He's, he is. He's a, fun, he's a fun player to watch. Pascal's doing a nice job, but I don't know if he'll be able to do because he doesn't have the ball in his hands that often. You know, That's in true. Other words, you know, when you like I say, when Ja has, I mean, he has the ball a lot. So when you have that, you have control over your destiny. And the same thing. If I had to do it over again for my son, I, my, for my son Canyon, mm-hmm. I, I, I but I hadn't played point guard because he could oh. do that and handle it and do everything. But because you can control your destiny, you have yeah. so much control over everything. It's true. And if you really know the game like he does, and too, you can show off and do so many things because you are the guy with the ball. But if you don't get the ball, it's hard. I mean, it's really hard to be able to to show what you can do. I mean, unless somebody knows the game exceptionally well and they watch you and you see the little things that you're doing and how you put yourself in the right spot and you move without the ball and you're in the right place, team defensively and all. And, but you really have to be a real student and have great knowledge of the game to appreciate that from a player because most everybody's attention is drawn to the ball. Right. They see what's happening with the ball. So if you have it and you're making great plays for guys, you're still getting attention, even the other guys scoring and stuff because you're the guy that helped create the play. Right. Yeah. I mean, so in fact, if I was playing today, I wouldn't even be a, I'd be a two guard, not a three in today's game with the size of people. And to be honest with you, it's, if I had to, if I could go back and, and, and get to play again, I would be a point guard. I would learn to handle the ball even better than I handle it then, which I did well for back in those days. People always said I can handle the ball so well, which I couldn't, which was like a rank amateur compared to these guys. But if I could do it, if I could do it again, I'd want to be a point guard. Interesting. I like, I like, I was quick. I was quicker than guards. So I had the speed to do it. So that wouldn't have been a problem. And I would have had the size. I could have been, I could have been like magic Johnson before magic Johnson, not to say that I would have been as great as magic was as a point guard because he was pretty amazing doing stuff. But I would, I would want to be a point guard if I could go back and play again. It makes size. sense. It makes sense. And, and I love and I love the point you make that you control your own destiny because you're handling the ball. The rock is in your hands. I do love that. Um, you ready for the next category? Sure. All right, this one is Coach of the Year. Okay, see, Coach of the Year, I can never really pick. Guys, I tell people, unless you are sitting on that bench or you're in that huddle, okay, and you're hearing what a coach has to say, you can only make certain observations. You don't know. I mean, if the team can come out and do something, you say, oh, my God, that was horrible. Well, that might not be what the coach told him to do. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. It's yeah. what I used to used to call it. It was the black line syndrome. When you cross that black line from the bench into the court, it's like you. Some guys may have stepped into the twilight zone. All of a sudden, it's like they forgot everything that just happened, <laughs> and then other things happen. Like I remember the story. I, you know the story. I'm sure you've heard it before. Larry Bird with the Boston Celtics one time, they came out of the huddle in a close game doing that. They stepped onto the court. He got everybody around. He says, hey, forget all that shit. Just give me the ball. <laughs> and I've heard that story, yes. Yeah. I mean, so seriously. I mean, so you don't really know what the coach is saying, how he's dealing with things. And, you know, you can make an observation. One of the things that it, the fact that they've actually put the mics back in, that's made a big difference. You know that that happened because Casey Jones lost his job after the finals in 1975 uh. with us because of what happened there in the huddle. I, I, you know that, right? No, I don't know. The and story. they took oh, and they took the it took the mics out of the coach out of the huddles. So you're saying he was mic'd oh, yeah. up? What did he say? That was so. No, he was that the way he was doing is that Bernie Bickerstaff was taking over the job and doing all the coaching and stuff, and KC didn't come across look, you know, looking great and doing. And they, the coaches, all voted to have the have the mics out of the huddles, and for years they had no mics, huh? So that you couldn't hear what the coaches are saying. Because I'm telling you, you'll you could learn a lot about that, and the coaches have to be very careful when you're mic'd up doing it. I mean, as to what the heck's going on, especially if you got a mic on during the entire course of the game, but especially in the huddles. Yeah. The one thing I was always impressed in this first year as a coach that Steve Kerr and I talked about this years ago, that I was impressed by the, the, the way that he talked to his players. He didn't get panicked in situations. He talked to them. He said good things. I was impressed by that. So, so now you can make a little bit more of an evaluation, but I haven't seen all these coaches. I haven't watched enough games to be able to do that. Being well, Rick, hear what they're saying. 
well, Rick, what if I gave you like a three or four finalists? And, and to me, like a coach of the year is ideally awarded to the coach whose team overachieves, right? Who does the most with the least amount of talent. Uh, that's, um, not, that's not who always gets it. Well, most of the time it does. I mean, that, that's usually the, the, because if, if it was always the best team, I mean, Popovich would have way more awards. I don't think Steve Kerr has won. Um, so, so here are the, here are the coaches I came up with for a final three or four Monty Williams with the Suns. in his first year there, they are yeah, in the playoffs good, right now. They're, yeah. They're doing a really nice job. They're, they're a big surprise. No question. They, yeah. Uh, Nick nurse of the Raptors. Everyone expected them to kind of collapse after uh, Kawhi left. And here they are nine and four on the year. Um, uh, and Pascal yeah, is playing lights nice, out, right? A, yeah. Well, he's done a nice job. You know, Siakam has played his butt off. Amazing. Siakam uh, is really, but here's up. the thing that's happened with Toronto is that it's the after, after glow of the championship and something to prove these guys, they were champions. So they have great confidence. They had a great experience. Right. And, and they're trying to prove to everyone that they weren't a one man team, that it wasn't all Kawhi. So they've got something to prove as well. So they really have incentive to go out and do it. And now, you know, you could have all of that, but if you don't go out and play well, you're not going to win games. Right. So, you know, to their credit and the coach's credit, they, they, they're doing a lot of really good things. And yes, he, I would certainly think that he would be in the running for it at one eighth into the season. <laughs> yes. Um, and then the other one, and then the third one is one that I haven't heard anyone mention. And, I really think he deserves more accolade for what they've done so far. And that's Eric Spolstra with the Heat. The Miami yes, Heat are no nine, they're nine and three right now. Jimmy Butler yeah. wasn't even playing for them at the beginning of the season because of the birth of his child. This is not a team loaded with stars. I mean, I'm looking at this roster right now. Dion Waiters, we're going to touch on that in a second. He's not even playing, and that's been a bizarre start to his season. Udonis Haslam is somehow still on that roster. I mean, he's your age practically. So, oh God, that's that's not that's not go ahead and diss that badly. <laughs> so, uh, thanks for playing along with that. So I mean, so I, I would say those are my three favorites for coach. Yeah, of the year no, right Eric's now. done a great job. You know, a yeah. guy from who was a video coordinator and <laughs> amazing, <laughs> and won NBA championships and a head coach. It's a pretty amazing story about what uh, what he's done. I know his his dad's a really good guy. Uh, yeah, no, I would agree with you. Those would be the three guys that would certainly deserve. A lot of uh, a lot of consideration for the award, no question. So, of those three, who do you give it to? Uh, probably Eric. Okay, I like it. I like it. Yeah, I, I mean, pick, I would I would do Eric first, then I would do uh, Monty or Nurse. Yeah, probably Monty. Okay, yeah, I'm guessing Monty Williams is the favorite right now, if if because the media is the one who picks these, and again, they like basing it off a narrative and i think again i think ultimately well because the team was so freaking bad right i mean <laughs> yeah so yeah all right well we're gonna skip sixth man of the year just because lou williams gets that award every year i don't think there's much of a, even a debate about that um here's the next one and we have eight awards for the eighth awards oh here let me get my, my drum roll all right so the next award is most improved player and you mentioned a name a moment ago that i think would fit this bill uh do you have a name off the top of your head well tell me who who i said Trey Young. I have, yeah yeah well he's definitely taking this game to another level the second year without question i just and, had him in the wrong category that so i was ahead exactly, of myself <laughs> exactly um and the other and the other and the other name i feel like you can throw in here as well would be gord hayward who was having a fantastic year until that unfortunate injury a week ago or so ago, but he was leading that Celtics team. And it, in my opinion, well, I don't know. I don't know about most improved. I mean, he was a pretty darn good player coming in. A lot was expected of him. And uh, if anything, he was maybe a little bit of a disappointment at times, but then he had yes. injuries. So he's had injuries. So exactly. Yeah. But this is just playing off from a year ago. I mean, that's usually how they base this award on is, is how you've improved from the previous year. And Gordon Hayward, you're right. Last year and the year before that, largely in part of these injuries, that, that broken ankle um, was a disappointment. So that's why I think he's in the, he's in the running for most improved. But I, I would agree with you that Trey Young is doing phenomenal. I mean, he's really showing some potential at that point guard position there between his shooting, his ball handling, uh, his clutch. Yeah, another one of those fun guys to watch play. Yeah. You know, I mean, see, here's my thing. It's kind of like when I go to the movies, they give all these critics and they give all this esoteric <laughs> BS and oh, yeah, well, well, this and the plot and this and that. Here's my deal. Here's the thing. When I leave the movie theater, if I had the chance to go back and still pay my money to go see the movie, would I go see it again? 
Would I, would I do it again? Would I go do it? And I say, yeah, you know, it was worth my $8 or whatever the heck it is. Yes. You know, if you're lucky, $8. If you're lucky, and, yeah. Man yeah, if you're lucky. <laughs> so yeah. that, when I, never, I never go to other ones. I only go early. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to pay more than 8 bucks to see a movie. So, yeah. So, so the same thing here. Is, is it, there's very few players that I could say this about. Uh, well, there's, and there's, there's still quite a few, but there's very not so many that I would say it's a high percentage of players that are worth the price of admission. Mm, okay. Yes. Think about that. Yes. Who's worth the price of admission? Mm. Trey Young is one of those players. Steph Curry is one of those players. Let's save that for uh, another show, Rick. That's you know, a whole yeah, I'm saying it's a good, it's do, an yeah. interesting thing, you know. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to include that in the notes for a future show. Yeah, Who is worth right. the price? We'll, of we'll, we'll evaluate. We'll evaluate them as the season goes on. But here we're at the famous one eighth of the season that Cyrus has come <laughs> up with here. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. All hey, right, just so. don't, hey, don't let the surfboard hit you in the head when you fall off. Of it, okay. <laughs> That's a goal. That's always a goal when you fall off that's, the surfboard. That's true. You, yeah. You do the turtle roll. You you tuck into the fetal position and and cover your head. That is well. That is you know what? I I don't know about that because I don't surf. I tried it once <laughs> uh, when I first went out to Hawaii in 1965, and uh, haven't tried it since. <laughs> All right. Uh, this next uh, Mike Clint Eastwood. A man has to know his limitations. Uh, that is true. That's yeah. When you're advice. tall, surfing is one of the limitations. That's true. Except your, with the exception of your son Brent and maybe Cam. Yeah, I know. Yeah, both. Yeah, they're both six six and everything, and they both can they surf. Rip. You know? yeah, they yeah. rip. So I, I, I can't. Them. I can't wait to interview Brent about hey, that. I All have right. trouble standing on one leg now. So what? The heck? <laughs> All right. Here's the next category, and I think this is the one that the fans will be particularly interested in hearing your opinion on. Who is the most disappointing team? And the next category will also be the most disappointing player so far. Well, I, I haven't seen all the players to go for the players thing, but I would say, I mean, if you had to do something right away on the team, we just talked about it at the beginning of the show. Mm -hmm. The trailblazers. Easy, easy, right? That's a no brainer. Yeah. They're, I mean, that they were But the players, it's hard to say. I mean, you just, I mean, it's too early in the season. Somebody can have, um, you know, just have, be getting off to a tough start and have a bunch of bad games early. It's just a matter of how many bad games are they going to have throughout the course of the season. As I told you, during the course of the season, you can figure maybe, you know, eight to 10 max where your <laughs> offense isn't working. I mean, if yeah. you have more than more than eight or 10 games where you're struggling offensively, then it gets back to that consistency aspect that I was talking about. Right. right. And I think, and didn't you say somebody came up and said something about Isaiah Thomas or something? Oh, uh, you mean with the Wizards? Yeah, talking about yeah. these guys. Yeah. yeah. Um. Oh. Oh. You mean Isaiah Thomas, the form, the Hall of Famer? Yeah. Well. Well, we have them in the notes. So Isaiah Thomas a few days ago came out and just echoed your sentiments exactly. Where he talking about the Warriors, Isaiah Thomas said, um, they in quote they play hard and they play well, but they're not consistent. And but that effort is important. I mean, because a lot of teams fail because they don't try hard. You well, know, I mean, think about this. Wait a second. Just think about what you just said, Cyrus. Which is what? But that they don't try hard. Guys are getting paid freaking millions of dollars. Agreed. And they're not going to go out and try hard. I mean, if that's the case, the, these teams need to get rid of these guys. Agreed. If there's anybody that's not showing up and playing hard, needs to be getting rid of like the plague. I, I just, <laughs> I mean, there's no excuse whatsoever for a player making the kind of money that they're making, they should all be going to church if they go to church and light candles and thanking God, whoever it is they believe in, for giving them the life that they have. Agreed. And to go out and not give their best effort? Are you freaking kidding me? I'm off the team. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> so who, so, uh, okay, so the most disappointing team we're in agreement with is the Blazers. I picked Rodney Hood as the most disappointing player. He plays on that team. I think they were relying a lot on him to step up because they lost uh, a Mo Harkless and uh, Mahmoud, I, I can't pronounce his name, but there are two small forwards from last year are gone. And yeah. Rodney Hood was supposed to step up. They expected similar results from... What are, what are his stats right now? Rodney Hood right now. Here, I actually have it. Uh, oh, man, I got to pull it up again. I had it. Oh, it was right there. It was just right there. You just oh, here it is. Again. First guy. Uh, so right now he's 30, yeah for 33 percent yeah let me look at these stats 33 percent field goal percentage is that what he's shooting right now oh well no his field goal percentage this no, year is 48 48 it's not, not bad, bad. No, no, it's no. not bad no wait a second he's shooting he's shooting good percentages well yeah but i mean is that the the sole variable for determining greatness i mean his his well i'm not talking about greatness i'm talking about 
you know, playing at a, at a higher level. I mean, if you're right, shooting right. those kind of percentages, I'm not going to say that this guy's bad. I mean, how many guys on his team are shooting for it? I just look at the list right now. You just went, oh, this is his first. Get back to the other other thing for the, not just for him. Go back a screen that you had there. Oh, so I can look. you can go see back this. one screen. Oh, okay. You're looking at my yeah, screen. All right. Yeah, yeah. This go one. back one screen. So, okay. So he had a bad game in this last game. He was he only four for, four for 12, but he's shooting 48%. That's, that's, that's pretty darn good. Yeah. But if you were to look at the situation where you had the stats of all the other players, and see what they're doing. I bet you that there's very few players on the Portland Trailblazers team right now that are shooting 48% and shooting 40 something from threes. I mean, those are, those are really, those are good numbers. Yeah. I, I really, I don't... really good numbers. So I don't see how you can pit those disappointing. I mean, I could probably go down a real list real quick and find you a whole bunch of guys that are disappointing. Well, because the, the reason why is because he's right now supposed to be there before they draft or before they acquired Carmelo, he was supposed to be their number three scoring option. And for 30 minutes a game, 11 points is just not enough for me. Well, he's not it's taking just, enough shots then. He should take more then. And I guarantee if he takes more, that percentage is going down. Well, and maybe not. I hope not. Well, if it doesn't, then he should be shooting more. Yeah, I, if, I he's shooting, like he, if he's shooting 48 from something, 47 from 47.9 yeah. from threes, he needs to be taking more shots. And that's the coach's responsibility to put the ball in his hands more often and give him more opportunities because he's performing at a level higher than the guys, other guys on the team. Right. Yeah, and, and so, well, that's my pick. And I would say the other one would be, could be Kyrie Irving could be in the mix there. And I'm trying to pull up his stats right now. Um, but I don't think he's having a good year. I don't think the Nets are having a good year. Um, and for the amount of money he's making, the, I mean, the Brooklyn Nets right now are five and eight. And I'm going to pull up his stats. I actually don't know what, what it is. But Kyrie Irving, for a player who's making max dollars, right? I mean, we're talking f- close to $40 million a year. His numbers are there, but the results aren't. And maybe he could be in the mix too, um, but I'm I'm going Rodney Hood. I know from a you're a pl- you're a well, former player. I know it's it, is it harder yeah, for I, you to criticize players? Uh, your no, colleagues? I just I, I would be honest about it. Doing yeah. it, I mean, he's not he's he's you know he's he's shooting forty four percent from the field and thirty yeah. four from threes and ninety four from the free throw line. I mean, you can't win by yourself. No, that's true. I mean, it's it's not a one person game. This is <laughs> a team true. game. So you got to have other people. So I wouldn't say, I mean, I guarantee you, you can go down the list of all of these teams and find a lot of players who would be doing a lot worse than what Kyrie Irving is doing at 45%, 44.4 and 34, 34.1 from threes is good. That's like 50 plus percent from twos and 94 from the free throw line. I mean, that's pretty, you know, that's pretty darn good. And seven assists a game. I mean, those aren't really bad numbers. So if you no, want those to talk somebody's really disappointing, I mean, I'm sure you can find a lot of other players that would fall into that category that would yeah. be uh, not very good. I mean, yeah. <laughs> All I right. Mean, a lot, a lot of players that would, <laughs> would have really bad stats if you started looking at them all the time. I mean, so, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put him there. So I would disagree with you on that. Fair enough. I mean, I mean, you could even look, I mean, the, one of the guys that's not doing great right now, is you know Draymond's only shooting like thirty eight percent from the field, yeah, six and twenty six from threes. You could, I mean, we could pick him. I I, I would have a no, hard I'm time saying, arguing. I with mean, that. yeah, I mean, he's 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 only averaging seven rebounds, thirty eight percent from field goals, and twenty seven percent from threes. I mean, those are not those no. are not great numbers. I mean, and one of the reasons they won, he had almost had a triple double in the last game. He did. But he's got. I told you before, he's got to get him fifteen points. And he's got to get him double-digit rebounds, and he's got to come close to getting, you know, seven, you know, six or more assists a game, and play his normal, you know, good defensive game. But that's what, he's got to do that for them to have a chance to win consistently. Yeah, and I agree. So add that to the equation, and I think Draymond would, I mean, as honest as he is about things, I think he would agree that he's not playing up to his standards. And, and it's a hard. I have a hard time arguing against that for the simple reason that with every other player out, at least every other star player out, I think the points per game was expected to increase and the points aren't there still. Um, well, it's I not mean, just, yeah, the points per game, but the percentages. And the percentages are awful. See, I, are I, you talking about the guys you were talking about? 30-something and 20-something? Yeah, no, I, you, you, I mean, Dray, you're, it's hard. It's, I can't argue against that. You're right, Draymond is up there. It's, he's not having a great year. Um, are you ready for the last one? The last award? Yeah, sure. The last two awards. We'll lump these in together. is you're the most surprising player and team so far this year well go ahead you're the one that's doing all this stuff because i didn't (laughs) throw it out there come on i mean one of the guys you say the surprise i mean this but we had him for the rookie of the year 
Oh, Trey Young? No, it's, it's oh, Pascal. Oh, Eric Pascal, yes. Yeah, that is, he's been... He's been doing a phenomenal job so far. I was gonna. I was actually leaning towards um, the the two finalists. In my opinion, were going to be the the Celtics and the Rockets. Oh, for um, teams? Yeah, for teams. Yeah, yeah. And and the player I was going to kind of lump in would be Kemba Walker. I, I think he's he's to yeah. me surprised. Done a nice me. job. I mean, what a beautiful fit he's been for that team. The Celtics, I believe, right now are number one in the Eastern Conference. Um, you know, Kemba Walker's having a great season there. Yeah, they're eleven and two on the year. I mean, that's a that's a great clip. I was not expecting that much of an increase for a team that basically just swapped Kyrie Irving for uh, uh, you know for for Kemba Walker, and they lost um, Al Horford to the Sixers. Um, and here they are, eleven and two to start the year. I, I'm impressed. I'm surprised. I like it. Uh, yeah. Well, and, and but here's here's why I always tell you right. That's why, why you always want to expect the unexpected. Would you have thought that they would lost to the Sacramento Kings? Well, that's, yeah. That's, you know, the Kings we didn't talk about for most disappointing. Shouldn't they have been the, the winner? Didn't we expect more from them? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, I get it, and it's, eight, come on, it's one-eighth into the freaking yeah, yeah. season. But Kemba's not, I mean, he's doing fine. He's doing good. His field goal percentage leaves a lot to be desired. He's only shooting less than 42%, right? Or close to 42%. But yeah. he is up close to, you know, right around almost 40 from threes. And he's shooting over nine. You know, I love that. He's almost 93 from the free throw line. So he's doing a nice job with that. He he's, you know, gets five rebounds and five assists a game and averaging 23 points. So other than his field goal percentage, uh, you know, he's playing well. But the team is playing well. And that's the most important aspect of it. But again, as I say, you just, every day you pick up the paper, or the uh, paper, you know, who picks up the paper? I haven't picked up the paper in years. Uh, <laughs> you, you go to the internet and you look and you see, I go to my go to my app for the NBA and look at stuff and watch these things on TV, is that something happens that you're shocked about. Like I just did not expect to be any way that as well as they were playing that the Boston Celtics would wind up losing to Sacramento. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. <laughs> Yeah, any given Sunday is what they say in the NFL. Any given day in the NBA. It can happen, and it's all, it about, happens, yeah. it's all about the mental preparation and getting serious and focusing and staying focused in on what you need to do because they don't, they, there's no way that Boston thought they could ever lose to Sacramento. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> I, I'm with you. I'm with you. The, King, yeah, the Kings have been, I mean, they're six and seven on the and, year. And, and this is why the Warriors have a chance of winning games. Because yeah. even, the, even the Grizzlies, they're at home and the Warriors are, are horrible. There's no way that they thought that they wouldn't win that game against the Warriors. Yeah. I'm, uh, it's, it's so much mental is such an important facet of success in sports is having the right attitude going into those games. I so, agree. I yeah. agree. You know, we didn't okay. touch on this, the eight, you know, the, the term eighth, uh, you and I had a funny discussion about this before we started <laughs> recording. The term eighth has a very strong connotation of weed for the simple reason that it's the most prevalent measurement for how much you buy. Um, and last show, we forgot to touch on uh, Dion Waiters and that very bizarre story where he basically ate too much when it comes to marijuana edibles and had a panic attack on a team flight. Um, and because of that, he's been suspended 10 games. I mean, just a very bizarre start to the season for him. And, but it did want lead me to ask you this question, which is you played in the seventies pr primarily predominantly in the early eighties and the late sixties as well. But the seventies was your decade. And what was the drug culture like in the NBA when you played? Oh, there were a lot of guys smoking weed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no question about it. Yeah, there, there, there really was. And uh, yeah. Was so, it different? Like, was the ABA, was it more prevalent when you're in the ABA? Did it matter? No. Okay. No, I just think that that was part of the culture and stuff of growing up. And there were a lot of guys that did that. There's no doubt about it. I, I, don't, I don't understand how they could do that and go out and play, to be honest. Right. I mean, it's, it's one thing to have done it for themselves afterwards and relaxing or doing whatever you have to do because you realize now it could help for a lot of areas, sleep and things of that nature. Right. But to do it before a freaking game, I, I, oh man, I, I, I never saw a player, a teammate of mine ever do it before a game. And had I done it, I would have been all over his butt. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, Chris Weber, I think, was most notorious for being caught smoking – and like at eight in the morning before practice, 
That was always bizarre to me. I, I that's that seems so early. I don't know how you could be so focused, but I guess yeah, different strokes, I, right? I don't. I, um, I, well, here's the problem: is is when they do it, they actually think they're more focused. Yes, <laughs> they do. But it, it, I've, I have experienced some people where that is the case. If for some reason, it actually makes their mind more focused on the task at hand. Um, yeah, but their, their mind may be focused on it, but it doesn't mean that their body's going to do what their right. body's capable of doing. Right. <laughs> uh, that is. You know, I'm looking at these standings right now. Though, uh, like, I know, I know, I know, you hate these early season uh, process. Then why do you keep bringing them up to me? I mean, because what, everyone are you trying else to loves punish it. me. You're I am. I'm told. Me? I'm trying to punish you for the sake of the audience being rewarded. Right? The audience loves these kind of things. Okay. I mean, are the Lakers? If the Lakers and Clippers played right now in the Western Conference Finals, like, do you have a favorite between those two? And I guess the Rockets should be in the mix too. And they're, they're, those uh, three Rockets, teams Rockets look, you know, they start up, but they're they're yeah, eleven and three, and the Lakers yeah. are twelve and two. The Lakers seem to get their act together. They're playing well. They got they some are. people. Green, uh, Green's coming through for them and playing well. And what's 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 happened with them is they've gotten some outside shooting mm. that can open things up, and that that's great for LeBron. And then mm-hmm. also, I mean, yeah, they've got they're they're a good team. I told you I saw them early in the season when they played the, the Warriors in the exhibition and. And uh, they're and also they're tall. They got some height. They're big. Yeah, they're yeah. Well, Dwight Howard tall, off the bench. Tall is bigger than height. And and Dwight seems to be accepting his role and maybe have matured a little bit. He still talks to Clifford Ray all the time, who tries to get into his head because Clifford's the guy that had him when he was a rookie and did so much for him. That was uh-huh. a huge mistake on the part of the Orlando Magic. You're talking about not only using your personnel but also getting coaches that could do the right thing. If Clifford, <laughs> I, I trust me, if Clifford Ray. <laughs> Who one of the, the one of the greatest big man's coaches in the history of the NBA had stayed with Orlando and Dwight Howard? Dwight Howard would be a totally different player, and his whole career would have been different. Mark my words on that. You know, we're talking earlier about bad coaches and bad GMs. Great example right there, right? Who's the GM that made that decision? Yeah, well, I think it was <laughs> I think it was a coach that wanted to make the decision uh, to do it. Say, oh, I, I'll work with him. I know some five foot nine coaches. Oh, Brian Hill like, was it? Brian Hill? Well, I didn't bring a name up. Hey, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh well rick uh, it's it's always a pleasure doing these shows um i think we covered a lot for the week um you can follow rick barry on twitter at rick 24 barry you can follow me at doc surf roadshow and the show's twitter account is warriors 24 pod always a pleasure sir yeah. oh, did you get your did you get your mic muff by the way in the mail yes i actually did so i thank you for that and you're that's welcome really good but you never did give me uh, your drive. What was your drive? You crazy? Oh, oh. Well, uh, okay. I'll, I'll get some music going here. Hang on yeah, a come second. Come on, it'll drive me crazy for Fair you. Fair enough. Fair thank it. you, sir. Thanks, sir. What drives me crazy, Rick, is sports media. And I, I, I was thinking about this, right? Like if you, if you, if you look at sports media from a business perspective, right? I mean, it, you know, the one of the the core fundamental arguments for the free market, the proponents of it state that the market dictates how successful you are, based in large part on how well you pay your talent, right? And in sports media, these jobs don't pay a lot, so you do have to wonder who it's attracting out of college, right? And I just see so much incompetency from reporters. I see so much ego from reporters who, and, and I use this term reporters loosely because in sports, I mean, what are you really reporting, right? Just stats. It's an opinion uh, with someone who doesn't have necessarily the credentials to have an opinion. Yes. <laughs> Their opinion yes. is worthless. Yes. And so I would like to uh, say this week, what drives me crazy is, is sports media. I, I, it's, there's just so much incompetency and it's rampant and there's so much inaccuracies so much opinion that is just not valid or educated drives me crazy, Rick. See, so. great minds think alike because I already <laughs> did some drives me crazy. What I actually had down for talking today, and I'll bring yeah. it up now because it flows right with what you're talking about. When something happens in the world of sports, it's not just the, and this is, this just happened with the incident with the football fiasco that took okay. place with whacking the guy over the head with the helmet. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. the media reporters all of a sudden listen to the talking heads, right? They all think that they're going to become psychologists now. They're all coming up with the reason why and behind it and everything. What really, really drives me crazy is when all of a sudden, when you're having to have something happen and they bring the racial aspect of it into it. Mm. You know what? Just keep, okay, hey, your opinion, the guy should be fine, should not fine. But don't explain why you think it should happen. And you're not, 
schooled in that area of life. Right. You're not a psychologist. You're not a psychiatrist. You're not, you're just a sports guy who's lucky to have a job getting to talk about sports, give your opinion about things, just give your opinion. I think he should have been suspended, but don't get into why. You're, you're just not that intelligent to be able to come up with the answer, okay? <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I'm not going to drop names. I could easily drop names. I'm going to avoid that at least for this week's show. Yeah, but, I'm uh, not going to. I don't want to come up with the names. I mean, yeah, people but, could figure out who, they, who, who, yes. who it is that's out there doing that kind of stuff. Just give your opinion, okay? For as meaningless as it may be, give your opinion. And great, and get on with it. And you as a listener could either agree with it or disagree with it. That's your prerogative. For me, I, you know, generally don't pay much attention to it. <laughs> oh, man. Rick, it is always a pleasure, sure. sir. Yeah, it's fun. So everybody have a, have a great week. Come up here. I hope you're getting prepared for the holiday season that's, uh, that's coming up with the start of Thanksgiving. And God, do we have a lot to be thankful for. We'll talk more about that. That's right. We'll be uh, back in two weeks, I'm guessing, right? We'll take next week off. Does it sound good to you? Well, uh, we don't have to. Uh, no, we'll see what okay. happens. I'll right. have to take my stuff with me because I'm going up to. Uh, and for those of you who pray, I, I appreciate this. I have a I have a niece who, uh, beautiful, intelligent, wonderful young lady who is fighting uh, brain tumors. And oh so, my god! Uh, I'm sorry. So if we anybody's out there, just say some prayers for Lily. We really appreciate it. that very much. Uh, I'm fortunate enough, and God has blessed me that I had a. One of my granddaughters had a 30% chance of survival, one of my son's uh, daughter, and she's doing great right now. So I'm hoping that Lily falls into that same category so I can thank God every night for uh, having her become cancer-free. So thank you for that, everybody. God bless all of you, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.